0: Hey, everybody, I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Just go to canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. I'm Amy Goodman. This is Democracy <laughs> Now!, the War and Peace Report, WarandPeace.org, etc.
0: I'm Steven. How you doing? Good. Jerry just said, let's do this old school right before she recorded, and I, I have no idea what she meant. Does she that mean meant it's like, gonna like five minutes. three long? of us back in like yeah oh, okay. uh, yeah, you know. She's back. Cheers well, is back. I thought she meant let's make it crappy in five minutes long.
1: Right, <laughs> and, and we need like little uh, empty tin cans to speak yeah. into, to make it sound right. How are you doing, Jerry? That's great. <laughs> Jerry gave us a thumbs up.
0: I know. In our new murder room, um, Jerry is within our eyesight again after a long layoff, where she was not within our range of viewing. I know,
1: and it's kind of weird because now I'm looking at you, but I can clearly see my peripheral vision that she's see, on Facebook, she's
0: waving, <laughs> she's brushing her teeth. She's rearranging the severed human heads that are in jars all around the place. <laughs> That's creepy. Yeah.
1: Um, you want to talk post office, man? Yeah. You want to give the disclaimer that we're only talking about the post office in the U.S. of A? I think you just did. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, We don't know how it works in your country.
1: No, and actually, it's probably not nearly as interesting as what's going on with the U.S. Postal Service, the USPS. Yeah. Because I don't know if you know this or not, Chuck, but the USPS is in a lot of trouble. Their – yeah. Their solvency, the the amount of money that they have to keep the lights on and keep everything going – is expected to run out in October of 2013 if they don't do something.
0: Yeah, that's this year. Yeah, I think they lost 16 billion dollars last year. Yes, and 5 billion the year before. So that's a three times as much money in a year. That's bad news. Here's the caveat to that 16 billion dollar loss, though.
1: 11 billion of that was in payments to uh, the future benefits of postal workers that have not yet retired, but will. Yeah. And the post sur- the postal service is the only federal agency of any sort mm-hmm. that is required to prepay its employees benefits for the future. In 2006, a lame deck session of Congress said, you know what? You guys need to make sure that your workers are taken care of. Right. So you guys have to start prepaying. Um, and, over the next 10 years and they have been and they've been bleeding money I mean like a 16 billion dollar loss yeah but 11 billion of it was to these future payments oh
0: I guess that would make sense then then if you took out that 11 they would just be at about the same loss as before just right. a mere five billion a year
1: right but and that's a lot of money to lose yeah. it is but um, they're figuring out ways to make up for that extra loss and one of the big ones that's on the table now is cutting out Saturday delivery. Yeah, they August figure, 1st, I think. This yeah. Year. They figure they can recoup $2 billion a year by yeah. doing that. So then they're down to three. The thing is, is the post, the post office, it's a part of the executive branch. Man, it's all over the place. It's a part of the executive branch. Yeah. It's a part of the federal government, mm-hmm. but it gets zero dollars in tax revenue.
0: And it's also a thrill kill cult. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs>
1: That's the horrible secret of the U.S. Yeah, post they're all over <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, so they get no money besides what they can make off of their own revenue. Yeah, they're essentially a stands. corporation. Right. Um, so they get no, but they get, but they're also o- under the purview of the federal, the federal government. Yeah,
0: it's a weird, weird thing.
1: And they can't act without asking Congress, and Congress hasn't exactly been forthcoming lately.
0: Yeah, they haven't approved the Saturday thing yet, have they, Congress? Here's the thing. Isn't that still up?
1: They've been trying to get Congress to approve that forever. The Senate passed a bill that said after two years we'll let you cut out Saturday service will give you 11 billion dollars in overpayments that you guys made toward the yeah. retirement stuff, all the stuff that went to the house and the house didn't do anything with it, right? Yeah. So, you know the fiscal cliff? Oh yeah. Well, the the US Congress passed a stopgap measure, basically a federal budget that says within this period mm-hmm. we're we're still able to operate, right? Right. And the USPS says, "Haha, you didn't include our mandate." from 1981, that we have to carry out Saturday service right. in that stopgap. So technically, under current federal law, we don't have to carry out Saturday oh, okay. service, and they're arguing it legally.
0: So they're just saying that's the loophole they're going to use to shut down Saturday service? Yes. And Except Congress for is saying packages, no, medicines?
1: Just packages. They're going to deliver packages on Saturday, and here's a really good reason express why. express mail. Their revenues from packages have increased 16% over the last 10 years. Whereas first-class mail, you know, letters have gone down 32%, I believe. So they're making all almost all of their money because it's only 45 cents to mail a letter from Florida to Hawaii. 46. Is it 46 now? Yeah. Um, But they make however much shipping in the shipping game, which is where they make all their money, which is ironically the one place they don't have a monopoly as far as the mail
0: goes. I'm glad to see medicine – Mail order medicine on that list too. Express mail packages and medicine, because mm-hmm. at first I was like, "Who cares? I don't need." I, you I don't, don't yet. I don't need my mail on a Saturday,
1: right? But so you like, need your medicine on a Saturday, or else you go blind. Well,
0: that's why they included that as a you know something they would still deliver, right? And post offices that are already open on Saturdays will still be open on Saturdays.
1: Yeah. So if you want to go to your PO box. Yeah. Maybe
0: there'll be some mail. Maybe there won't be. Who knows? I bet you've had a P.O. box. I've been thinking about this, haven't you? No. Really? Yeah. Have you? No. You just struck me as the kind of person that would have had a P.O. box <laughs> at one point. <laughs> you know,
1: That's where I get all my guns in the mail. So um I'm pretty worked up about this, as you can see.
0: Yeah. Um It's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. Like, Who would have thought that the the Postal Service would ever be interesting?
0: Uh Sure. <laughs> I think parts of this are very interesting. Um, and we would just want to go ahead and say hello to all of our postal carriers out there. Yeah. That, um, listen to our show. Who, who won us over during the Bush era? Because we've gotten emails from you guys and, and gals.
1: Yeah, including one of our favorite people out there is a postal worker. Who? Van Nostrin. Oh,
0: yeah. Is yeah.
1: he? This one should really be a tribute to Van Nostrin. I no. didn't, he's a carrier? I'm, he's always been kind of cryptic about what he does, but I'm under the distinct <laughs> impression that he's employed by the Postal Service.
0: All right. So, Bangalore's Van Nostrand, yeah. this is for you. Yeah.
1: Um But, okay. So, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the Postal Service. Man, I'm all jazzed about the USPS, dude. I'm glad you are. Um, so, for a little while, even after the advent of electronic mail, the Postal services, uh, the amount of mail they were delivering was still increasing. As of 2007, it was on an upward trajectory. Sorry, 2006, right? Yeah. 213,137,000,000 pieces of mail that year.
0: Yeah, it's down to 167 now. Yeah. And then, uh, when was this written? Do you know? I think 2007, 2008. Okay, so then they had 700,000 employees. Now they have about 580,000. So they've been in, in... trim the budget mode, I yeah. think, for the past few years.
1: Well, and the reason why, in 2006, they also made $72.8 billion. I mean, those stamps add up, you know? Um, in 2011, they made $66 billion. Wow. Not bad. Yeah, but they're still losing a lot of money. I mean, that's what, uh, $7 billion in difference in just five years? Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. Um, so where where'd all this come from,
0: Chuck? It came from back yonder day, you know, people have always needed to communicate, obviously, yes. from long distances. And uh in sixteen thirty nine, um they, you know, colonists here in the in the new I guess they weren't United States yet, but in the New World needed to get word back to England occasionally and say things like, Hey, quit bugging us or hey, send us more tea and crumpets. Right. And um so the first official postal service was established in sixteen thirty nine. Um Richard Fairbanks Tavern in Boston was the official mail drop for overseas there in Massachusetts. Yep. And that was the place to go if you wanted to mail something.
1: Yeah, and I couldn't find what happened or where it went on the other side of the Atlantic.
0: Probably How to you another got pub. I, I would imagine
1: <laughs> then you just went to that pub and said, hey, is there any mail? And they said, yeah. no. And you'd turn around and travel the 500 miles back to your village.
0: So that was uh, step one. Step two was uh, about 40-some-odd uh, years later, 1683, William Penn Established, very famous person, obviously. Um, the first official post office in Penn, Sylvania.
1: Yeah, it was named after him. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love the side note here. In the South, private messages were just sent between plantations. Yeah. So they would probably just give it to a slave and say, carry this over to that guy. Right. Uh, and then flash forward a little bit more um, to 1691. Uh, the British crown gave a man named Thomas Neal a 21-year grant yeah. For the postal service in the United States.
1: And he paid um, like seven seven shillings a year. So that's nothing, right? He still died in debt. Did he really? With a monopoly. So the postal service has always been kind of tricky to call money from.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So that continued till 1774. And a lot of big stuff was happening around that time. Like, hey, we don't like you anymore in England controlling us over here. And yeah. Taxing us, yeah. so we're going to start uh, and establish our own constitutional post office for for any kind of uh, mail going from anywhere, basically intercolonial
1: mail. Yeah, yeah, it was was very cutting edge at the time. I'm sure. <laughs> and actually, um, you know, the, when the British were carrying out the postal service on behalf of the colonies in the colonies, um, there was a guy named Benjamin Franklin who was appointed the postmaster of Philadelphia. Yeah, and he actually killed it as postmaster. Of course he did. He like totally improved the roads. He said like we're gonna start working like twenty four hours a day. We're yeah. gonna have like lots of shifts. We're going to put up milestones. Like the the postal service helped improve the connectedness of the colonies thanks to him. Yeah. So when the Continental Congress said, Hey, we want our own postal service, Ben Franklin became the first postmaster general.
0: Sure. And of course he ran it like a tight ship. And he's one of those dudes I get a feeling If we could, like, resurrect him and bring him out today, he could fix what's going on in this country.
1: Yeah, and he'd say something pithy and ask for a glass of sherry. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Um, So this is, to me, when it gets super interesting, uh, was in the 19th century when westward expansion happened, California gold rush. All of a sudden, we needed to get stuff from the East Coast to San Francisco, let's say.
1: Right. So As quick as possible. (laughs) Right. What's crazy is as quick as possible was to go down New York, yeah. around Florida, to the Caribbean. On a yes. Yeah. On like a steamship. Yeah. Uh Through the Caribbean and then across like uh Panama mm-hmm. and then up on the Pacific side to California. That was the fastest way to get mail for a while.
0: Yeah. And how long, uh, how long? Three to four weeks to send a letter from the East Coast to the West Coast. And that's, you know, the best case scenario.
1: Right. And that's how, that's what, that's how the U.S., the East Coast, um, communicated with the West Coast for a while. Yeah. Until some stagecoach routes routes were um, were established. There was a southern route and there was a central route. Yeah. And the southern route, you could supposedly use year-round. Sure,
0: because it's lovely down here.
1: But then the central route, it was faster, but they said, you can't use that year-round, there's storms.
0: Yeah, and it also killed me, man. The way they used to name companies back then was so, like, it made perfect sense. You basically just said what you did, like one – the Pacific Mail Steamship Company yeah. said, "We're going to carry your mail to the Pacific by steamship." Right. and then the uh, Overland Mail Company, like, "Well, we're going to do it overland." <laughs> right, and so that's what we're going to call our company. Yeah, so they got the contract. The Overland Mail Company, um, along the southern route, took about twenty-five days, and then my favorite, one of my favorite parts of American history, was born. The yeah. Pony Express.
1: Yeah. And it's just so amazing, like, the the idea that they had to do this. It was a different company that was competing that wanted to get that contract away from the Overland company, right?
0: The COC and PP.
1: And they said, you know what? We know the central route's shorter. We're going to prove that we can use it year-round, and we're yeah. going to set up something that it's just going to blow this 25-day thing out of the water. And they set up the Pony Express. Yeah. And they had stations, what, every 10, 20 miles? Uh-huh. And a rider would ride from St. Joseph, Missouri- to Sacramento or be part of a line of riders. Well, yeah, that's the key. They go about a hundred miles and then they change horses every like 10 or 15 miles.
0: Yeah. So the same rider would change horses because they, they rode, they averaged 10 miles an hour, which doesn't sound fast, but you got to factor in like the Sierra Nevadas where they're just crawling up these mountains. Right. So these dudes were riding hard and on flat ground.
1: If they're averaging 10 miles an hour, right? Yeah. And they're going 24 hours a day. Uh, they're going two thousand miles, ten miles an hour that's what twenty hours yeah, that's no that's two hundred hours, so what is that? That's less than ten days so that's that cuts that overland company's rate by hundred and fifty percent
0: yeah the uh, there was always one set of riders going east, one set going west,
1: yeah, I think when you when you were relieved by another rider. Yeah. You'd hang out at that station and, just and wait for the route. other for somebody to come the other way and then relieve them.
0: Yeah, they were paid really well at the time, uh 25 bucks a week, which at the time unskilled laborers made about a dollar a week. Yeah. So, um and th- did you read the the first ad they ever put in? No. Uh wanted young skinny wiry fellows not over 18, <laughs> must be expert riders, willing to risk death daily, orphans preferred. <laughs> and that's Maybe legend, but supposedly that's what it says. Yes. But apparently they were young, little light, lithe, skinny kids because you know, you didn't want some big dude like me up on a horse. Right. The horse would be like, oh, I don't want to ride anymore. Please, so uh, they were like quick. these young boys, like I think the youngest one was like fourteen. Oh wow. And supposedly Buffalo Bill Cody was a rider, although people have disputed that now. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, he's he's the stuff of legend.
0: Well, he's by far and away the most famous famous Pony Express rider, if in fact he did. Gotcha. But um,
1: anyway, so so think about the amount of infrastructure built up along this central route to have a station every ten or twenty miles. You've got all these employees going. Yeah. And they proved it. They proved that the central route could be used year round.
0: And so that, they got the contract then, right? No, the Overland Company <laughs> got the contract to use it. To use that same route that was already established, and the
1: Pony Express was like, "You have to be kidding me!" Yeah, and so the U- the U.S. government said, "No, no, you guys do half, and then let the uh, let the Overland Company do the other half."
0: Yeah, and they were mad for about a year and a half, and really angry. Yeah. And then the telegraph line was completed, and, and was everyone the- was like, "Oh well, <laughs> I guess I guess we're all out of business now."
1: Yeah, that was it. Yeah, Pony Express was sold to Wells Fargo and, and basically shut down.
0: Yeah, I think American Express ended up. Branching out of Wells Fargo, too. Yeah. Like, these are old, old companies. Like yeah. Like, these modern banks and credit card companies. It's interesting how far they go back. But think about that, man. Even as far back as the
1: mid-19th century, new technology was putting mail delivery uh, out to pasture. Yeah. And then mail delivery would evolve and, like, figure out how to come back. Yeah. That's it's
0: pretty cool. Foreshadowing. It is. So, this is a big jump forward to the mid-1960s. <laughs> Yeah. A lot happened in between then. It
1: didn't. Actually, we started to go move um, further and further out into the suburbs. There was a huge population boom in the the post-war era. Oh, yeah. And businesses started to realize the value of direct mailing. And all these factors put together meant that the Postal Service was totally overwhelmed. Yeah.
0: Completely. Because it became such a big deal. Everyone was writing letters.
1: And they were using the same old hand... um, I guess hand delivery methods sorting methods yeah that's what it was they weren't automated at all and they needed sure. to be right and so there was a postal reform that un- that was undertaken
0: yeah and this was uh, in 1971 the post office department and I didn't even know this this was shortly after I was born we weren't the United States Postal Service until 1971 yeah and that was when we officially became the USPS uh, it became an independent establishment um was no longer a part of the cabinet of the federal government, but was part of the executive branch and got the monopoly basically to deliver mail, even though it was supposedly just a company.
1: And they, and they re-upped the mandate from I think 1792 that said you the Postal Service is one of the most essential services of the federal government. Yeah. No person is cut off in this country.
0: None shall not get delivered. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Everyone's going to have a mailbox and everyone's going to get mailed to that mailbox every day mm-hmm. because we need to help keep intellectual freedom um, going and, sure. and and ideas and business and commerce going all the time. And the Postal Service is this federal agency that carries that out.
0: And that put, I'm sure that put a financial burden on them when people started building in these like, especially rich people when they started building in these remote areas. yeah. Because then all of a sudden you had to add that to your route. Well, there's Even a, if it's 60 miles up a mountain and it's the only house. There's there's a guy
1: who services the Grand Canyon. There's a, a group of Indians that live at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. and He has a donkey train that goes down there every day with the mail. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's part <laughs> of... It's a federal mandate. You have to be able to get mail. Everyone has a, a mailbox. He's like, don't you guys use smoke
0: signals? <laughs> Come on. They do. In fact, I actually wrote an article on Smoke Signals. Uh, yeah? Yeah, I was going to say we should podcast on it, but it's it's like super basic. Is it really? It would be like a five-minute podcast.
1: Well, we'll have to figure out some other way to use it. Agreed. Because that's interesting.
0: Um, so do we cover going postal now? It was sort of just thrown in the middle of this article. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It was talking about how packages are delivered, and all of a sudden it says, and then people started killing each other in yeah. 1986.
1: Yeah, which is actually... um The post office has the dubious distinction of kicking off the workplace shooting trend in the United States. Was that the first one? As far as I could tell.
0: Wow. All right. So 1986, Edmond, Oklahoma. uh, Patrick Henry uh, Sherrill killed 14 coworkers. Um, 1991, another one happened, uh, including a uh, supervisor getting killed with a samurai sword. Yeah. November 1991, uh, Thomas uh, McElvain shot and killed four co-workers, wounded five others, then shot himself. Mm-hmm. And then in 1993 and then in 2003, two more incidences of postal workers killing fellow postal workers.
1: Yeah, it was like just between 86 and 97, 40 people died at, postal, at post offices from postal rampages.
0: Yeah, and gave birth to the term going postal, which is used as a... Uh, Vernacular for like just losing it, yeah. basically.
1: Um And if you're interested in that at all, there's a really good documentary. I think it's on Netflix streaming right now called um, "Murder by Proxy." Oh yeah, and it's all about the postal shootings. So weird, like where they came from. There's a lot of scrutiny at like the of the management techniques of people at post offices. And there's
0: got to be something to it. I mean, I oh yeah,
1: if you watch it, it's like it was clearly like how many other industries uh,
0: had that many office shootings. You know, retail. Actually,
1: oh, yeah? you're, the homicide rate is three times higher in retail than it is at the post office. But you don't
0: say go in retail. Right. <laughs> that just means you're going shopping.
1: Well, it's like drinking the
0: Kool-Aid. They really drank Flavor-Aid. Yeah, that's right.
1: Kool-Aid's the one with that distinction. Oh,
0: yeah. All right. So that was going post. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, we had to mention it, but I don't want to dwell on it.
1: But it was weird in this article, the way it went- <laughs> like right in the middle of a section. Came up out of nowhere. All right. Game off. And right now, go to squarespace.com slash stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.
0: Um, zip codes. This is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, zip codes were introduced in 1963 and then officially put in place and mandatory in 1967 because just so much mail going on, you had to categorize it more specifically
1: right that was part of that the post office being swamped this was a the first step toward automation was like a standardized coding it system took that long well they did have other ones but it was like one
0: oh. was new york city
1: <laughs> or something like that you know yeah
0: so zip this is a, just a nice little cocktail party factoid stands for zone improvement plan mm-hmm. i never knew that until i read this did you know that i had before but i i'd forgotten okay so it's a zone improvement plan and it's uh here in the United States, at least, it's a five-digit number, represents, you know, a location, obviously, where you're trying to send something. Yeah. And it uh, now they have the zip code plus four in some areas of, like, I guess, major urban areas have a little more specificity.
1: Right. They, like, deliver it to your, like, they put it on your stomach if you put, yeah. like, the zip plus four on. I
0: think certain buildings even will have their own plus four if it's a big enough building. Right. Or if you get a lot of mail as a person. Is that what you're after? Is a plus four for your own Well, it says that
1: some (laughs) high-volume mail receivers get it. I'm like, you know, if it was cool mail, I'd love to get the mail.
0: Um, So the first digit there represents the state. Here in Georgia, that's a three. Um, It increases as you move west, and there are some states that share uh, each digit.
1: Yeah, like two. Yeah. It's taken up by a lot of states. There's the District of Columbia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Maryland,
0: Virginia. West Virginia.
1: Man. All twos. I'd be <laughs> mad if I lived in one of those states.
0: So then you got the second and third digits. Uh, those are regions within the state. Um, the first three of those uh, create what's called the SCF code, the sectional center facility. And um, then the fourth and fifth digits are even more specific. Basically, it just hones down as you go left to right until you've got Josh Clark's house.
1: Right. Like this state, this section facility, Yeah, this... Um, Post office. Yeah, this neighborhood. Yeah, and then this maybe this building, yeah. this high-volume mail receiver named Josh Clark. <laughs> That's right. Um, So you've got the zip code. That allowed automation. And a little known fact is the U.S. Postal Service doesn't just handle a ton of the U.S.'s mail. It handles 40% of all of the mail in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So before the zip code, this was really difficult. It also went from, if you're mailing something from New York to San Francisco, and mm-hmm. It went through every distribution facility in the country, yeah. in between New York and San Francisco, um, before it got there. Really? Yes. Now Jeez. zip codes. Well, let's talk about how, what a letter does. Okay. And this is all thanks to zip codes.
0: So, I write a little love letter. I'm going to mail it to Emily. Uh uh-huh. Which is weird because we live together. Right. <laughs> but It'd just be romantic. That's actually a, a great example, though, because you can mail something from. Your mailbox to be delivered back to you, I reckon. I've never done it. That's a,
1: that's a, uh, the poor man's trademark or oh, copyright. Oh, yeah. I've heard about that. Is to mail something to yourself and then leave this it sealed. Uh, I think it, it depends on the judge.
0: Yeah. Probably. Okay. So you put it in your mailbox, postal carrier's gonna pick it up, they're gonna take it to the post office. Yeah. Um, they're gonna put it on a truck and then take that from the post office to a processing plant where it, we have our long-awaited machines doing yes. some sorting yeah, by they shape some... and size.
1: Yeah. Well, first they sort everything out and make sure everything's facing the right way up, right? Yeah. Um, and then the uh, the the packages well packages are put on one one belt and then letters are put on another. And they're the letters say, let's just stick with the letter that you wrote. Okay. Uh, it's it goes into a slot, so it's facing upwards and upright. Yeah. If, if Frontwards and upright. Yep. And then they put a little barcode on the back of the letter in, uh, I think, ultraviolet ink.
0: Yeah. Well, first thing it does is it gets a postmark and cancellation line saying, basically, you can't use the stamp again. Yeah. Don't even try it. Don't be cheap. We've seen the whiteout tricks. We've seen doctoring up a stamp. Which is probably a federal offense.
1: It probably is. Um and then so after that the a barcode's printed on the back of the piece of mail and then there's an optical scanner that reads the address which is pretty cool and if you if they're really 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 accurate too yeah um but if your handwriting is terrible they have a new system now where the this um, conveyor belt takes a picture of it sends emails a picture oh, to. Cool. A human being at a computer uh-huh. who reads it. it wakes says, up. This is what I think it re- is reads it, <laughs> types it in, and then it's so it stays on the line. It doesn't have to come out any longer. That's that's it's pretty efficient. new technology. Yeah. Um, and then so based on this um, this address, including the zip code, mm-hmm. it prints a barcode at the bottom. If you look at a letter, any letter you get has a little barcode on it. Yeah. And so that's what's read.
0: That's right. The the thing on the back is. Invisible, I think, right? Yeah. It's fluorescent. This is
1: just showing off.
0: <laughs> we have invisible ink. Uh, other processing machines then read those barcodes and then sort them in their little bins according to zip code. And it's just basically placing everything in what will eventually be uh, a tray that will be delivered back to a post office right, or a, a sorting facility. Or does it go straight to a post office?
1: Um, it goes to- No, a-
0: another processing uh, plant.
1: Right. So imagine each processing plant- They're like regional, I guess. has a bunch of mail coming in on trucks that yeah. it sorts and then sends out. And then based on its zip code that it serves, um, it, it gets a bunch of flats from other um, distribution facilities- That's right. With that are already according to the zip code. So let's say it's getting a flat of mail by zip code. Yeah. It then also sorts through those- that's right, and it actually sorts them into an individual carrier's route in order,
0: and that's what's delivered to the post office. So it yeah. arrives at the post office ready to go on the truck. Yes. Okay,
1: and uh, that doesn't mean that the postal worker doesn't have much to do. They all oh, they sure. still have like circulars, magazines, yeah. bulk mail. They have to go through and put it for
0: every address. All that crap that ends up in my recycling bin, basically. Yeah. Although the coupons.
1: Oh, remember our junk mail episode from years and years oh, back? Wow. And we got so much Holy grief cow. from people who were like, no, 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 you can't get rid of junk mail. Right. That's the only thing keeping us in
0: business. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to address a letter, there are a few guidelines. You know, you got to put your address legibly in the front. You got to put your little re- return address in the upper left corner.
1: Yeah. On the front. Don't put it on the back.
0: No, upper left corner there.
1: And don't use periods and commas. Like, if you write P-O box, it's not P period O period box. Although, uh, that doesn't matter. Uh, Apparently, it it allows for greater efficiency in reading your letter.
0: Maybe. Because I always put, like, Atlanta comma GA period. I do
1: too, and they still get there. But, don't you wonder if they get there, like, earlier? I
0: don't know. Maybe so. Uh, it is, um, supposedly, you need to be able to read the address at arm's length. So don't write tiny. Right. And, uh, don't write so big that they can't do other things to the envelope, like scan and stamp and things like that. Um, and then, you know, you got to put your return address because if something happens, you want it to come back to you. Yeah. Although I don't do that much anymore. A lot of times I'll just put, like, Atlanta, Georgia.
1: Really? You don't put your return address on there?
0: No, but I rarely mail things, and a lot of times when I do, it's for work, so I'll just put, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, house stuff works or something. Oh, gotcha. And it's not the kind of thing that if it doesn't come back to me, I would care. I got you. If I had some precious thing, I would put a return address.
1: I have a feeling that you're going to get some email from postal carriers that are like, I hate people like you. <laughs> because whether you care if it comes back to you or not, I'm sure they have to get it back to
0: you. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of type of delivery surfaces we, surfaces? services we won't go over here, Yeah, but I did want to say that media mail is a great little uh, trick, not a trick, but a great tool if you're mailing things like books and... or. DVDs, because it's super cheap. Yeah, but it takes a while.
1: But that's part of that mandate from 1792 that they want to keep the intellectual juice of America flowing through the postal service. So yeah. things like that, like creative stuff or books or correspondence like sure. that. Has, and I
0: think that's how. If you've ever ordered a book on Amazon for like two cents, hmm. you're like, oh, how can they sell a book for two cents? It's because they charge you like four ninety five for shipping, and they probably pay like eight cents to mail it with media mail. That's the
1: greatest scam of the 21st century. <laughs> well, not really. I mean,
0: they're making their money via shipping instead of the book itself, but uh, publishers don't like it, of course, because they want to sell their books new yeah, and not for two cents on Amazon.
1: Yeah. So, um, I think we said that the postal service has a monopoly on delivering mail, but not on delivering packages. Right. right? Sure. Um, so, because they're kind of in competitive business against like UPS and FedEx and DHL and all those guys, um, those guys have gone ahead and in, in invested in infrastructure of, say, like air delivery, air yeah. transportation of mail. And the, U, the postal service has tried that before. Like they tried a guided missile in 1953, which they shot full of mail from a submarine to a naval station in Florida. Uh huh. But it was just too expensive. Right. So the Postal Service said, hey, UPS, hey, FedEx, you guys have a bunch of uh, planes. Can we start putting our mail on it? And they said, sure, for a few billion dollars a year. Yeah. And the Postal Service said, great. But at the same time, they kind of um, they stepped forward into the 21st century by doing so. Yeah. And the Postal Service Having access to everyone's mailbox is often tapped by UPS and FedEx to deliver what's called in the business the last mile. Yeah. So a lot of times, especially if you're a rural person, uh, if you get something from Amazon, it's, it was shipped by UPS, but eventually it made its way into your postal carrier's route and yeah. is being delivered by the postal service.
0: Yeah. There's way more mixing of, of package mailing than you would think. Yeah. Um, it's like a swinger
1: party or something
0: pretty much. Uh and part of that deal in 2001 with FedEx was hey, FedEx said, can we put our boxes at your post offices and they said sure for 126 million dollars. And they said, you know, can we hitch a ride on your plane? And they said sure for 6.3 billion <laughs> over 7 years. Yeah. But it's, you know, seems like a good agreement and they did the same with UPS and uh we scratch our back, you scratch yours we scratch your back, little. we'll scratch yours. Yeah. Is that how it works? Yeah. Why didn't everybody just scratch their own back? I don't know.
1: Okay. Um, Because it's hard to reach. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so if you realize that the Postal Service needs a few billion extra dollars, you say, why don't you just up the postal rates? Yeah. Well, the federal government keeps its thumb on that. They want to make sure that anybody who needs to mail a letter mm-hmm. can do so without great expense.
0: Yeah. It's a big deal to change the postal rate. Like, It is. Much more than you would think. Because a, a layman like me would just be like, yeah, just add a few cents. Who cares?
1: Yeah. What's the problem? Yeah. Just, just print it. Those forever stamps. Genius idea. You don't have to go back and reprint a bunch with the, the yeah. amount.
0: Great idea. Or the the one cent. Remember in Fargo? Yeah. <laughs> when uh, Wade got the one cent. Yeah. With the ducks. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, everyone needs the one cent whenever they raise the rates. Yeah. He's like, oh, gee, I
1: didn't think about that. <laughs> Um. So, But yes, there's a very long, protracted, difficult process of raising the postal rates. It's not a very easy thing. No. And it involves
0: a ton of bureaucracy. Should we get into that or just leave it at that? It's up to you, man. I think we should just leave it at that. Okay. So if you are going to mail something from your house, you need your little mailbox. And I just installed mine in what seemed like a sensible manner. I didn't realize that there were actual rules. Um. In fact, you are supposed to contact the post office uh, before installing your mailbox, which I had no idea, um, to make sure it's like the correct placement and height. And so like the, the post office person or the uh, mail carrier doesn't have to get out of the truck. Oh, well, they'll, they'll burn it down <laughs> well. if it's not the
1: specification. So you want to contact the post office.
0: I didn't, but I guess I just lucked out because um, they say generally 41 to 45 inches from the road surface. To the inside floor of the mailbox or point of entry, and then set back six to eight inches from the front face of the curb or road edge to the mailbox door. Right. I guess I just got lucky then because I get my mail,
1: you know? Without any burning down of your... No. Or without a
0: post office box, uh, box which we talked about. They've been around for a couple of hundred years, and that's if you want to have a little key to your little own box in a post office and get your mail there, you can certainly do that. It's handy... If you're starting out a business and you want to make people think that you're not working out of your house, um, you can get a post office and say, look, I have a a P.O. box, which means I'm working out of my bedroom. Right. It's like code, I think.
1: Or you're getting guns in the mail.
0: Is that what people do?
1: I'm sure there's a lot of people who try to get guns in the mail in their P.O. boxes. Yeah. Sure. Okay.
0: Or if you um, tend to move around a lot in the same town. And you don't want to worry about uh, changing your mail and forwarding your mail. You could always just get a P.O. box. Yeah. So those are some reasons.
1: Um, You want to talk the future of the post office if it's around after October
0: 2013? Sure. What is the future of the post office?
1: Well, there's a lot of stuff coming down the pike. Um, There's the cancellation of Saturday mail. Yep, this August. They're really going hard after package delivery services now.
0: What, trying to – oh, with like the flat rates and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, just
1: really like courting businesses to say, hey, consider us instead of UPS or FedEx. Right. Um, and uh, especially with prescription medicines. Sure. Uh, because we have an aging population that's going to do nothing but increase in size – so you're going to need more prescriptions through the mail. So hey, let's get into that.
0: Yeah, and you can get stuff like that certified and insured and right. uh, signature uh, delivery approved and stuff like that. So yeah, it's
1: helpful. Part of the post office's pledge that your the, the your letter carrier won't take your medication before delivering it. <laughs> Might hit you up for some. Right. Um, but there's also a line of clothing coming out. Postal Service line of clothing coming out. Shut um, up. I'm not kidding. It's really? called rain heater snow. And that's we almost didn't mention this. So the the postal service's creed, right? Sure. Neither rain nor snow nor sleet, sleet nor hold on. Rain nor sleet nor snow nor. Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. And that's actually not the post office's official motto. They don't have one, but it's been linked to them. And it's actually an adaptation of something from Herodotus, the Greek historian, who was making a comment about how the Persians, even during their war in like 500 B.C., they were one of the first ones to establish a real postal service. And even during war, the postal service didn't stop. There were still uh, documents being delivered. Right. And Herodotus was coming, commenting on that, huh. and that's where that came from.
0: It should include, like, or loss of limb. It did originally. Like, that's an adaptation. <laughs> it wasn't loss of limb, but it was something like... Yeah, some sort of sickness has befallen you. Right.
1: They were putting the mail before themselves. The show must go on. Right. Um, so there's a, a line of clothing called uh, Rain or Heat or Snow. Um, And then um, they're also talking about creating uh, federal email addresses that you get at birth. Hmm. Just like you have a, a physical address, you would also have an email address, but your email address is attached to you rather than the physical location you live at. And if you, say, need to correspond with the IRS mm-hmm. or Social Security Administration or something like that, you would send like this very secure email through this postal services portal. Everything else you could just use, like you know, Gmail or Yahoo or whatever right. for everyday stuff. But this is like the the big stuff, the really important stuff. And then the Postal Service would also offer like a digital lockbox for um, the uh, like like a will or your medical records or something like that.
0: Yeah. I, and, and listen, as every conspiracy uh, person in the country now says, in no way, I want a federal email attached to my name. Yeah. That I have to send things through. Yeah, well, that's the number of the beast, obviously. Yeah, I don't know that I would want that either. I'm not a big conspiracy guy.
1: Oh, it's not that you have to send it through that. It's that if you send it through that, if somebody hijacks that or reads it, gotcha. they're going to be in a lot more trouble federally okay. speaking than they would be if, like, they read your Gmail.
0: Yeah, because isn't it illegal to to open like a federal offense to get someone's exactly. mail? Exactly,
1: and that's what this. There's this guy who runs a think tank for the postal service who's who's like, it's not just about mailing documents; it's about Protecting the connectedness of the United States yeah. and Americans. So, sure. how do we do that in a digital world? And he's thinking about this. So, if you're even the least bit interested by this episode that we just recorded, mm-hmm. um, there's an Esquire article called um, you Do We Said Peace? <laughs> do, I didn't, though. There's an Esquire piece. <laughs> uh, do, it's called Do We Really Want to Live Without the Post uh, Office? And it's by Jesse Lichtenstein. And um, it is really good, man. Yeah. It's a really good overview of-
0: What does Jesse think?
1: Uh, we need he, it? He or she, I think, kind of leans toward we need it. And the more you start to like read about it, the more this weird kind of civic affection for the post office developed in right. me. You know? Where I'm like, yeah, we don't want to get rid of the post office. You want the post office. Who doesn't want the post office? It kind of develops.
0: Yeah, I used to, like, you know, maybe it was a simpler day or maybe the people stuck with their routes longer. But I remember my postman growing up. Yeah. It was the same guy for years. And we lived on, we didn't live in a neighborhood. We lived on a street in the woods with like six houses. And so- you know, I would run out and check the mail and wave at them, and <laughs> we would give them like gifts at Christmas. And that's awesome. And now I have no idea who my postal carrier is, which is my fault. I need to just go out there.
1: I think you do. Yeah. And also, the postal service is responsible for the largest food drive in the United States every year. Oh, really? Yeah, you know that food drive where like you just put like canned food in your um in your mailbox, and your I've postal employee picks it up. Really? You can do that? Yeah,
0: I've never it's heard of not, that. It hasn't
1: been very well publicized, but it. Like, at least around here, I guess, but, um, it's a huge food drive.
0: Or at the very least, postal carriers are taking and eating cans of ravioli (laughs) for dinner.
1: Like, this is delicious. I love this food drive.
0: Yeah. So don't just put cans of food in your mailbox. Check into when that is supposed to happen. That's got to be the worst day of the year for letter carriers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can you imagine? It's a lot of weight.
1: Yeah. Um, you got anything else?
0: No. Respect your,
1: uh, post, postal carrier. You want everybody to go out and meet their postal carrier? Yeah, why not?
0: Give them a hug. I actually, don't do that. They might mace you or something. Yeah. <laughs> but give them a wave.
1: Yeah. Um, if you want to learn more about the post office, you can type that word, those words into the search bar at housetofworks.com and, uh, be sure to check out that Esquire article too. It's very cool. Um, and, uh, I guess before we get into that, Chuck, you want a message from our sponsor? Let's do that. Yeah. All right. Game off. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you.
0: That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Okay, and now it's listener mail time. Josh, I'm going to call this, uh, um fan who thought we were wrong and did a little research and we may not be wrong after all that oh, yeah, that's a, a nice title yeah. I had, we had a bunch of filmmakers write in when we talked about the um, subliminal messages being inserted into oh, yeah. movies in the 1950s by James Vickery because we said it's one three thousandth of a second or something and a bunch of filmmakers went there's only 24 frames per second so if you switched out one frame, it would only be 124th. There's no way. There's no way. And where'd you get this number? Where'd you get this number? Mm-hmm. I went back and looked, and I was like, I mean, I see this number in various places. But um, So we got this email from Brian Henry that disputed this, and then he wrote back with this. Hey, okay. guys. Looks like I may have spoken too soon. I was assuming that Vickery was just changing the film itself, which would result in the messages showing uh, much slower and at the maximum 124th of a second. Uh, But I did some research, and apparently he used something called a, uh, I've never heard of this before, a tachistoscope, tachistoscope, I think you got it, tachistoscope, Okay. to project the messages on the screen, not the movie projector. Uh He said so, this way he would have had a lot more control over the speed of the messages, and um, so, to all the filmmakers out there who wrote in and challenged this, I wrote back to a few that was like, "Geez, I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm looking for it." And they, you know, some of them were even kind of snotty about, like, "You should research something more." Yeah. So apparently, <laughs> put that in your t- t- scope and smoke it nice. is what I say. Yeah, and that is from Brian Henry.
1: Yeah, thanks, thank Brian, for, for,
0: for the research. You know, yeah,
1: and being a good guy, saying, yeah. "Hey, I was wrong," because you were.
0: Well, he was, a, wrong. He, he, was a, he was one of the nicer ones about it. Well, thank you.
1: Yeah. Um, if you want to let us know that you were wrong, even though you had told us that we were wrong at first, we love those. Yeah, um, You can tweet that to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash stuff You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at Discovery.com. And you can write all over our website, uh, which is called StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals,